0: Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Turkey arrests suspect in assassination of Haitian President Barbados Democratic Labor Party leader steps down after massive election defeat. U.S. Virgin Islands had highest number of sex trafficking cases handled by feds in USA. U.S. Virgin Islands Lime Tree Bay Refinery extend sale deadline as West India's petroleum fails to close deal. Cruise ship changes course after U.S. judge orders seizure. Emirates Airlines signs agreement to promote tourism in the Bahamas. Central Bank of the Bahamas launches landmark sand dollar digital currency and Antoinette wemyss Gorman to be first female chief of defense of staff of the Jamaica Defense Force. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, January 24th. We start a report today in Haiti. The Guardian reports that Turkish authorities have arrested a man considered a suspect of great interest in the assassination of the Haitian president, Jovenel Moïse, Haitian Foreign Minister Claude Joseph has said. The suspect, Shamir Hendal, a businessman, was detained at Istanbul Airport. ...early on Monday, where he arrived in transit from the U.S. to Jordan, Anadul agency reported. His arrest was announced by authorities in Haiti later. Anadul agency said Handel was wanted on the Interpol notice and later questioned by court officials... ...who issued the 40-day temporary custody order at the request of Turkey's justice ministry. He is being held in Istanbul Maltepe prison, the agency reported. Algiers report that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has said immediate action is needed to fix the security situation in Haiti, which is deepening in the aftermath of President Jovenel Moïse's assassination last year. Trudeau said assistance for Haiti would be a central topic of discussion during a virtual meeting on Friday that included representatives from 19 countries, including Canada, the United States and France as well as Haitian Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Canada announced an additional $39 million or $50 million Canadian dollars in aid would be provided to Haiti towards health services, security and infrastructure. A senior U.S. State Department official also said the United Nations was organizing a donors conference for February at which the U.S. could give significant additional resources beyond what has already been given. Haiti has faced mounting political instability and a climate of violence in neighborhoods dominated by criminal gangs following Moise's killing on July 7, 2021, when an armed gunman stormed his residence in the capital of Port-au-Prince. At the start of Friday's meeting, which was hosted by Canada, Trudeau said Haiti's allies must act immediately to help tackle a spike in violence that is worsening an already precarious humanitarian situation. In order to address Haiti's humanitarian needs, we must address the challenges security situation, the Canadian Prime Minister said. This will require immediate action to mitigate violence. We must also address the deep governance problems that are fueling the current political and security crisis that includes taking action against corruption. Many parts of Haitian society are called for accords that would allow for a consensual leadership of the country while it waits to renew its institution through elections, though various factions differ on what the accord should contain. Henry has promised to organize elections later this year, but no date has been set. St. Lucia Times reports that the president of Barbados's main opposition Democratic Labor Party, Verla de Pizia, has resigned after last Wednesday's massive election defeat to Barbados Labor Party of Prime Minister Mia Motley. Motley's party made a clean sweep of all 30 seats in the House of Assembly, a repeat of the Barbados Labor Party's performance at the 2018 general election. According to Barbados Today, Interim Democratic Labor Party President Steve Blackett confirmed Verla DePizia's resignation The Democratic Labor Party General Council met Friday to discuss the party's election defeat and the session accepted DePizia's decision to step down. The Virgin Islands Free Press reports that the U.S. Virgin Islands Attorney General, Denise George, announced a collaboration with the National Child Protection Think Tank, Child USA, local and federal law enforcement agencies, as well as victim services organizations in the Virgin Islands to spearhead programs to combat human trafficking crimes. The month of January has been proclaimed as National Human Trafficking Prevention Month by U.S. President. President Joe Biden. It is dedicated to deepening public understanding of human trafficking as well as an opportunity to denounce the individual's institutions and systems that enable and perpetuate human trafficking. Although most human trafficking are women and girls and sometimes undocumented immigrants, it can and does happen to anyone regardless of gender or nationality. legitimate business or personal activities, such as in hotels, guest houses, restaurants, gas stations, streets, homes, strip clubs, private islands, or residences. According to the 2020 Federal Human Trafficking Report from the Human Trafficking Institute in 2020, the U.S. Virgin Islands federal courts handled the highest number of sex trafficking cases than any other state in the United States on a per capita basis when taking population into count. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that Lime Tree Bay Refinery late Friday filed for and was granted a motion to extend the sale of the refinery from Friday, January 1st to Monday, January 24th, telling the U.S. Bankruptcy Court of the Southern District of Texas, which has jurisdiction over the sale proceeding, that West Indies Petroleum, which had paid a substantial amount of the $62 million closing cost on Friday, wired the remaining amount, but the funds as of late Friday had it arrived. As of the motions filing on Friday, West Indies Petroleum had funded $50,599,895 of the $62 million purchase price of the refinery. And Lime Tree Bay Refinery said the additional $11,480,720 was sent via wire transfer and was in transit. According to the court documents obtained by the consortium, Lime Tree Bay Refinery told the bankruptcy court that it was in receipt of the federal reference number and SWIFT code for the funds in transit and confirmed that the funds total more than the remaining balance of the purchase price of $62 million. Lime Tree Bay Refinery further stated that West Indies Petroleum anticipated that funds would have been received by or before Friday. However, due to delays with international wire transfer, Lime Tree Bay Refinery had yet to receive the funds in transit, according to the emergency filing. Judge David Jones granted a request and the sale is expected to close today, Monday. BahamaNews.net reports that a cruise ship that was supposed to dock in Miami sailed to the Bahamas instead after a U.S. judge granted an order to seize the vessel as a part of a lawsuit over unpaid fuel. Cruise trackers show Crystal Symphony currently docked in the Bahama island of Bimini. Passengers were taken by ferry to Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale on Sunday. It was unclear how many passengers were on board, with one news outlet reporting 300 and another 700. According to the company website, the vessel can carry up to 848 passengers. The ship was scheduled to land in Miami on Saturday, but a federal judge in Miami issued an arrest warrant for the ship on Thursday, a maritime practice where a U.S marshal goes aboard the vessel and takes charge of it once it enters u.s waters passengers and entertainers said on social media they were surprised to find out about the legal case one guest posted a letter on facebook from crystal cruises management that said the change in itinerary was due to non-technical operational issues the lawsuit was filed in a miami federal court by peninsula petroleum far east against a cruise under a maritime procedure that allows actions against vessels for unpaid debts. The complaint said Crystal Symphony was charted or managed by Crystal Cruises and Star Cruises, which are both sued for breach of contract for owing $4.6 million in fuel. The National News reports Dad Emirates, the world's largest long-haul airline, signed a preliminary agreement with the Bahamas Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Public Service to promote tourism on the island nation. The agreement will see the Dubai-based carrier develop initiatives to promote the Bahamas as a tourism destination to customers across its global network, including developing enhanced connectivity to Nassau Linden-Pindle International Airport from U.S. gateways through its code chair and interline partners, Emirates said. The agreement was signed in Dubai by Sheikh Ahmed bin Saeed, chairman and chief executive of the Emirates Group and Frederick Mitchell, the Bahamas Minister of Foreign Affairs and Public Service. Across the world, Emirates plays a key role in boosting tourism to various destinations by providing travelers with reliable, convenient and comfortable flight options for travel. We are delighted to work with the Bahamas to strengthen transport links and to support the country to welcome tourists from around the world. We look forward to a long and Fruitful Partnership, Sheikh Ahmad said. The Bahamas' predominantly market economy is heavily dependent on the tourism sector, which accounts for more than one-third of gross national product and employs about two-fifths of the workforce, according to Britannica. Currently, Emirates customers can connect to Nassau Airport on code-share flights with U.S. low-cost carriers JetBlue's Airways, and from four major airports, including Boston, Newark, New York, JFK, and Orlando. They can also fly through Toronto on interline flights with Air Canada to Nassau and Georgetown. Emirates operates a modern fleet of Boeing 777 and Airbus A30 aircraft to a network of more than 120 destinations across six continents. CoinDesk reports that the Central Bank of the Bahamas has officially launched its national digital currency, the first of its kind in the world to have been fully deployed, The sand dollar is a digital version of the Bahamian dollar issued by the country's monetary authority as a central bank digital currency. The announcement of the launch came via a tweet last Wednesday. The project is designed to bring more inclusive access to regulatory payments and other financial services per the central bank's frequently asked questions. Central bank digital currencies have been a hot topic this year. China, for instance, appears to be close to launching its digital yuan, which in recent days has seen its biggest public trial. Others like the U.S., Russia and the European Union are looking into their respective central bank digital currency launches. As reported by Coindesk, the first phase of the Bahamas' rollout sees Private sector players such as banks and credit unions readying compliance checks for personal and enterprise wallets to support the Sand Dollar. The digital wallets will be secured with multi-factor authentication security and will be mobile-based, servicing the 90% of the population with smartphones. Underserved communities and the Caribbean nation are the primary target of the initiative, which the bank said would reduce financial service delivery costs and boost transactional efficiency. The sand dollar is back one-to-one to the Bahamian dollar, which in turn is pegged to the U.S. dollar. Crypto Globe reports that crypto millionaires are moving in droves to the Caribbean island of Puerto Rico in order to take advantage of the U.S. territory, tax benefits and lavish island lifestyle. According to a report by CNBC, the crypto wealthy are flocking to Puerto Rico due to its crypto friendly policies, including huge tax breaks for inhabitants who spend at least 183 days on the island each year. Residents in the territory are able to hold on to their American passports, in addition to avoiding paying taxes on capital gains. According to the article, despite the excitement and influx of crypto entrepreneurs, some locals appear unhappy with the new residents. In particular, Puerto Rican citizens bemoan the capital gains tax exemptions, which only applies to outsiders. The surge of wealthy newcomers has also led to a rise in real estate prices, which have outgrown the cost of living and contributed to resentment. Loop News Jamaica reports, Commodore Antoinette we Miss Gorman is set to create history when she becomes the first woman to be appointed Chief of Defense Staff of the Jamaica Defense Force. The 48-year-old Army woman is scheduled to succeed Lieutenant General Rocky Mead, who will be retiring after 38 years in the Army. We Miss Gorman is also to be promoted to the rank of Rear Admiral at the time of her appointment as Chief Defense of Staff. A release from the office of the prime minister said Commodore Wemis Gorman promotion and appointment took effect this month. According to the office of the prime minister, Wemis Gorman is a career officer whose 29 years of service has been characterized by notable achievement. The release added, additionally, she has performed at the strategic level of command within her technical area of expertise and in other domains, both internal and external to the Jamaica Defence. Force. Promoted to her rank in 2019, Cadre Wiesman Gorman assumed the post of Force Executive Off, and she provided strategic assistance to the force in support of the transformational vision of the Chief of Defense Staff. Wiesman Gordon is also responsible for the establishment of the Caribbean Military Maritime Training Center and the Maritime Air and Cyber Command, which includes the Jamaica Defense Force Coast Guard, the Jamaica Defense... Force, Air Wing, and Special Forces. Further, she has represented the Jamaica Defense Force and Jamaica at various local and international fora on matters of regional security, blue economy, transnational organized crime, women peace, and security, among other defense matters. She is married and is the mother of a 15-year-old son, disclosed the office of the Prime Minister in its release on the historic appointment. And finally, the World Health Organization's strategic advisory group of experts on immunization, known as SAGE, has updated its guidance for booster doses and vaccination in children in light of the increasing vaccine supply and coverage, emerging evidence, and the evolving epidemiological situation of COVID-19. The revised SAGE roadmap For prioritizing uses of COVID-19 vaccines, originally issued in October 2020, identifies four categories of priority use groups based on the risk of disease and social disruption and taking into account vaccine equity and wider benefits to society. Sage continues to advise that the highest vaccination priority should be given to older adults immunocompromised persons and health workers, followed by adults with comorbidities, pregnant women, teachers, and other essential workers, as well as disadvantaged demographic groups at higher risk of severe COVID-19. Changes in SAGE recommendations include, booster doses should be offered to four to six months after completion of primary vaccination series. This is due to the waning vaccine effectiveness over time, also against mild and asymptomatic infections with Omicron and Delta variants. Countries should consider the individuals and population level benefits of vaccinating children. Although severe COVID-19 is rare in children, it does occasionally occur, and vaccinating children has additional benefits of minimizing disruption to their education, therefore improving their overall well-being. Countries that have achieved high vaccination coverage in high-risk populations should prioritize global sharing of COVID-19 vaccines, before vaccinating healthy children and adolescents who are at the lowest risk of severe outcomes. The interim recommendations apply to the Pfizer vaccination for which Sage has available data to update its guidance. When data becomes available for other vaccines, Sage will review the evidence and update the respective recommendations. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, January 24th. I'm Keisha Wallace, thanking you for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news right here Monday through Friday. Be sure to spread the word to family, friends, and associates. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Now Meta.